It's time for what I call our Easter offering giving series. All right, so for the next three Sundays, today, next Sunday, and the Sunday after, we're going to talk about the international missions that this church supports. And actually, what you're going to be invited into is this church's DNA. This church operates on a 51-week budget year. There's 52 weeks in the year. There's an entire week from Easter Sunday, everything that comes in, all the money that comes into this church goes towards these three missions. We give it all away. So you can designate. Let's see. Um, so what we do is we support the free wheelchairs in Vietnam and in, also in Cambodia right now. We're going to talk about that today. Water filters in the Amazon region of Brazil. Uh, my friend Hamon uh, in Brazil is going to, he sent me a video. I'm going to get it translated. We'll hear from him next week. I oversee Brazil. And then Haiti, uh, feeding the children. Can you turn me down just a bit? Yeah. And then um, Haiti, we have a feeding the children program that Steve Fitter oversees. And so on the 17th, we will uh, hear from him about how that's going. So church, for the next three Sundays... I will be short of begging you to give to these missions. And what I really want to do is I want to challenge you. Some of you are newer to this church. You've never been a part of this. Some of you have been a part of this for many years. Some of you cannot wait to give your money away because it's not ours, right? But this is who we are. We've been giving our Easter offering away since 1991. All of it, right? Now, I have some stats here. Since 1991, this church has given away $1,636,217,000. Last year alone, church, our entire Easter offering was $76,433. Last year alone. Now, I get really nervous, right, Pastor Dave? Like, I've already been nervous for, like, weeks. It doesn't matter. Whatever comes in, God is going to use. But let me tell you something. There is nothing better than being able to call Henry or Pastor Vu or, or Steve for Haiti or the missionaries in Brazil and saying, hey, our church donated this much to your cause. Man, it just feels good to know that we are a part of something like that. Here's the thing, church. You can start giving now. All right? You can go to our website. Uh, let's see. Is it up there? Uh, the next slide. You can go to our website. On the home page, click on the missions tab. And in, on the missions page, there's a give here tab. If you click on that, then you can designate to either Brazil, Haiti, Vietnam, one, two, or all three. Maybe you can do all three of them. Right? Um, and, and you can give that way. You can also... Write a check and write in a memo, Easter offering or Vietnam or whatever. If you just write Easter offering, we're going to split it up three ways. All right? And we'll just, we'll just give, it, give it that way. And then also in the bulletin today, we have uh, envelopes. So if you're like a cash-only person, if, if that's your thing, stuff the, one of those envelopes full of cash and just tell us where you want us to put it towards these missions. So um, that begins today, our giving series. We're going to be talking about that. I'm going to be challenging you 
in that church um, because I think it's good to be challenged. I know that we're all in different places financially. Some of us can only afford a wheelchair. Some of us, maybe we can't afford anything, all right? But some of us can fo- afford a lot. Some of us can give out of the abundance of what we have. And so, so that's, that's my pitch for that right now, and we'll hear about that here in a little bit. Now, today is our first sermon in what I call our Easter giving series, all right? Now, I realize the past couple of years, this is how I've been starting out this, this series and these sermons. I realize our economy is a mess, okay? Like, is this a good time to be buying a house? So the worst. Who's, who's trying? I think, I know somebody's trying to buy a house, and I'm like, you may as well just wait, brother. Give it a few more years. How about groceries? Right? Like the boxes of cereal are still the same size, but they're like, they're so thin. I guess we're supposed to believe that nothing's changing. The cost goes up, the container gets smaller, but it looks the same size. How about utilities? Right? AEP, Columbia Gas, they raised their rates this past summer, this year. Everything just costs more. But this should not keep us from investing in God's kingdom. As a Christian and as somebody who understands this, it makes me want to just give more. Why? Because God will supernaturally protect our finances when we do. It's a fact. It's a truth. You see, God's economic plan is far better than any plan that man comes up with. And there's some good ones out there. All right? But but as Christians, here's the thing. We're not exempt from a terrible economy. We're not exempt from trials. We're not exempt from hard times. Jesus said in John chapter 16, in this world you will have troubles. Depending on what version you read, trials, troubles, tribulations, hard times. But he said, be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Jesus has overcome anything that we will go through. But then also, we're talking about the next three weeks, biblical principles, promises, things where God's word says this, and then if we do this, God will do that. For instance, if we have the protection over us and God's word tells us that he will be there for us every time. You know, the more I study Jesus, the more I find out that he was just teaching Old Testament teachings. He was just quoting scripture. Listen to this, Psalm 34, verse 19. The righteous person, the righteous person, in today's language we could say the Christian, faces many troubles, but the Lord comes to their rescue each time. This is a promise that we can trust. This is something that I hold on to. When hard times come, I can say, God, where are you, man? And I know your word says, you say you're going to be there. Jesus, you said you overcome this. You also said, I'm going to go through this. It's not a matter of if we go through hard times. It's a matter of when. Even Peter said, don't be surprised when all kinds of things happen and basically you don't know what's going on because you're hitting into hard times. It's going to happen. But we also have hundreds of promises like this in God's word that we can hold on to. And the reason that God wants wants us to put our trust in him 
is because he wants our lives to go well. He wants us to succeed. He wants us to prosper. Now, when I use the word prosper, I'm not talking about just money. My life is rich. My life is prosperous, and I feel wealthy. When you look at my bank account, you might say to yourself, or our bank account, really, Chip, is that what you consider wealth? No, it isn't. I consider the fact that I'm healthy, I'm well spiritually, I'm well mentally, our marriage is, is probably better than anybody's in this room. Right. <laughs> you know it, Chuck. I, I know, I know. <laughs> but, <laughs> that's right. Listen, I'm married up, trust me. There are days when I'm like, I don't know why she's even with me. I know, I know, Kim, I know. But listen, our marriage is good, our family is good, our kids are good, things are good, and that, to me, is prosperous. That's rich, that's wealthy. No amount of money can, can cover that, right? And so today what we're going to do is we're going to look at some promises in the Bible that are tied to being generous. And to lay the groundwork for this entire series, and, and for today, basically, but this is for the entire series. We're going to look at a teaching that Jesus did when it comes to our heart posture. Like, where is our heart in all things, especially in giving? So we're going to be in the chapter of Luke, verse 6, and we're going to read two verses. Chapter Luke, uh, Luke chapter 6, starting in verse 37. Now, I read from the New Living Translation. I really like this version lately. I think it's a modern way of reading the scriptures. I'm constantly testing it with the New King James. I've spent many, many, many years reading the New King James. So this might read a little bit different, but here's what Jesus said. Do not judge others, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn others, or it will all come back against you. Forgive others, and you will be forgiven. Give, and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full. Pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over, and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Interesting, right? Now, prior to this passage, when you read... Before you get to this, Jesus is talking about loving our enemies, praying for those who persecute us, bless those who curse us, do good to those who wrong us. And then in verse 36, he says, you must be compassionate just as your Father is compassionate, your Father in heaven. And then he goes on to what I just read. We are to have, this is a heart posture, is what he's teaching. We are to have the heart of the Father. Jesus is teaching on the law of sowing and reaping. We're going to talk about this either next week or the week after. Modern day language, I like to use scattering and gathering. It's just like a farmer. A farmer is nuts if he throws out five seeds and thinks he's going to get a generous crop. Is he? No. We're talking about laws. We're talking about principles. It's just, this is no different than the law of gravity. I throw a ball up, it's going to come down. The laws of mathematics, the laws of science. This is the same thing when it comes to generosity and giving and, the, and biblical principles. 
But where are our hearts in all this? You know, Jesus said, do not judge or you will be judged. Well, then I'm not allowed to, I'm not allowed to judge anything, am I? I'm not allowed to, to say what this person is doing is wrong. I, I'm not allowed to. I'm, I'm supposed to just let everybody trample all over me, right? Because that's what Jesus said. You know, Jesus did, Jesus judged the religious leaders, and rightfully so. Here's the thing. Is your, like, like if I'm hanging out with somebody and I start seeing that they're, they're taking me down a path I don't want to go, I got to make a judgment call. I need to judge where my relationship is with this person and where this person is at. So in my judging, will there be mercy and understanding or condemnation and, 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 and leaving no room for the person to speak up for themselves? Will my judgment of them automatically condemn them as being guilty? Or will I have the heart of the Father when I say, hey, listen, you, you know what, I, I can't agree with what we're doing here. And, and so e either something has to change or I have to leave the relationship. Is there anything wrong with that? That's how you judge something. Jesus is saying you, you judge with condemnation and, and it's going to come back at you. Because the measure we use is the measure used against us. When we are forgiving and compassionate with others, forgiveness and compassion is what we will receive. This is, a, this is a principle. This is a biblical principle. Like if you're not forgiving and you're not compassionate, how do people talk about you when you leave the room or you're, when you're not around? Let's read verse 38 again. Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured out into your lap. And, and just to maybe drive the point home, he says again, the amount you give will determine the amount you get back. In these days here, you would go to the market and you would buy like maybe a barley or wheat or whatever. And I picture it like this. You got your bag and the guy's pouring it in there and then he presses it down and he shakes your bag and he presses it and he pours more in and he presses it and shakes it and, until it's running over. That's like, in my mind, way more generous than anybody would expect. That's the kind of generosity God gives us when we give as well, when we give out of the goodness of our hearts. See, as followers of Jesus, we are to be known as givers. We are to be known as generous. We are to give out of the abundance of what God has given us. And we're all on different levels here. I would love it if everybody bought one of each, a wheelchair, a water filter, and fed a children. That's $450. Maybe you can't afford that. All right, try to do one. Do something. Some of us in this room can do many. We need to give out of the abundance of what we have. And some of us understand sacrificial giving, where we stretch ourselves. We st our family stretches it. Like we just started talking the other day because Easter snuck up on us, but it's like, what are we going to do? I don't know, but we are, we're, we're going we're to give. Because that's what we do. And it's fun. Because you know why? God gives back. We understand this. I was, I was at a conference this week and I was, I was eaten by myself this one place. And you know what? I just felt like God said, Chip, I'm so thankful that you get it. 
You know, the emotion that Henry has, the emotion that I have, and Steve will get it too when he's up here, it's because we get it. We understand that our giving is changing lives. It's not about the money. It's about the heart. That's what it's about. And the reason you get emotional is because God loves you. And he's saying, you get it. You get it. When our heart, where is our heart when it comes to stewarding what God has entrusted us with? Jesus said, when we have the right heart posture, this is what he's talking about in Luke chapter 6. When we have the right heart posture, when it comes to treating others from an area of grace, mercy, and understanding, when we are caring, compassionate, forgiving, and generous, our gift he uses the word gift. Our gift will be so abundant that we won't be able to contain it. Be walking home spilling it all over the place because, because that's how much he pours back into our lives. This is a supernatural principle. A promise about how the kingdom of God operates. And I think the reason for this is because God is generous. And he wants us to be generous. He wants us to be like him. We are supposed to represent him here on this earth. We are to be Jesus to those around us. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 tells us that we are to imitate God in everything we do. If God forgives me, if God loves me, if God cares for me, if he pours his grace and his mercy out on me, then what am I to do to those around me? to imitate that in the hopes that they themselves would say I, I like you know what I want what he has I want what she has I need Jesus and since this is true since all of us in this room are imitating God in everything we do right we all are I'm sure we are and everything we have is because of his generosity then we need to learn to be like him in our giving. Church, I'm challenging you here. The next three weeks, I will challenge you. And if you're sitting here like this right now, I challenge you to think about that. I do, really. This, this, is, this church's DNA. This is who we are. We can't give it all away if you don't give. The it's the condition of our heart is where this kind of generosity starts. Receiving these promises that, we're gonna, uh, that I'm going to list off here in a little bit is not a formula that we can work out in our favor. But when we give out of the love that we receive from God with the hope that we are a vessel to share his love with those in need, it's, it's like this. As God... As God pours into us, we need to pour it back out to others. Whether it's grace, mercy, forgiveness, love, money, generosity. As he pours into us, are we willing to pour it out to others, to give it away? How many of us are holding buckets in the gifts that God is pouring back into our lives? And how many of us are holding a funnel? If you're holding a bucket, he's, you know what? 
I, I know there are people that don't give at all, and they're like, I still receive God's blessings. You're absolutely right, you do. And they're, they're coming in a bucket. And it's, it could be a really big bucket. It's just filling up, and you're the only one enjoying it. I want to hold a funnel. A funnel is really wide on the receiving end, but smaller in the giving out end. God says, I want you to be funnels. I will pour it out so much, you hold that funnel up, Chip, it's going to fall all over you, but it's still coming out because you're pouring it out, you're giving it away. That's how much God wants to bless us. He will continue to pour into our lives as we give it away. And what he gives us is still nothing compared to what we're giving away. And the more we give away, the more he'll keep pouring into our lives. This is how we experience the blessings of God. And God is very clear in his word, very clear that when we take care of the poor, that when we take care of those who need help, we are taking care of him. Jesus did this story in Matthew chapter 25, and he ended it with this. He says, whatever you do to the least of these, you do to me. Talking about the end times. He says, everybody's going to be lined up in front of me. There's going to be sheep on one side, goats on the others. And I'm going to look at the sheep. I'm going to say, I was hungry. You fed me. Thirsty, you gave me something to drink. Naked, you clothed me. I was in prison, you visited me. I was sick, you came to me. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Well done. We didn't know that was you. Wow. Whatever you did to the least of these, you did to me. Then he's going to look at the goats. He's going to say the same thing. And they're going to say, he's going to say, but you didn't feed me. You didn't clothe me. You didn't give me something to drink. And, they're, and, and he says, they're going to say, well, if we would have known that was you. I picture it like this. The sheep have funnels and the goats have buckets. We didn't know that was you, they say. And he says, away from me. I don't know you. I don't know who you are. See, Jesus identifies with the poor and the needy. When one of his disciples said, hey, you know what? We should take that expensive perfume right now and go sell it and give it to the poor. And Jesus said, the poor you will always have. You won't have me forever. Because he knew that his time on the earth was limited. There are always people around us that need help. When Jesus said this, whatever you do to the least of these you do to me, he was sharing the heart of the Father. How we treat others is how we treat our Creator. Our reflection with others, it reflects our relationship. Our relationship with others reflects our relationship with our Creator. How we take care of people and how we treat people is how we're treating Jesus. Now, I'm going to read a passage from uh, the book of Deuteronomy here in a minute, but before we do, in each three of these sermons, I'm, I'm going to talk about a, a different area of giving, and this is called the tithe. Some of you may know what the tithe is. Some of you may not. Here's what it is. The tithe is our first fruits. It's the first 10% of our income that we give back to the place where we are spiritually fed. If you call this your home church, then you ought to tithe to this church. If you're here visiting, but you have another church you go to, you ought to tithe to that church. I, I do our bills, so we get paid twice a month. All right, I've got the 15th and the 30th. And at the top of each one is tithe. And then mortgage, and whatever, utilities. Tithe, car payments, whatever. You know, because tithe will be ongoing till the day we die. And mortgages, we're almost there, but cars, you're always paying for that, right? Everything comes in after that. The tithe is a supernatural thing that when you give back to God, 
the first fruits of your income, there is a supernatural covering of protection over your family, over your home. It doesn't mean, again, that you will, you will never have any troubles, but what it does mean is that when troubles come, God will help you through them. He'll find a way out. It also means that, wow, man, you get amazing deals on things sometimes. Like, you just find these, just things happen. Checks come in the mail. Stuff just appears. And sometimes it's not even money. It's just, it's God taking care of you. Now listen, here's the thing about the tithe. The, the most famous teaching on the tithe comes from Malachi chapter 3. But the tithe predates everything from what was established in, in the law. In Genesis chapter 14, there's a guy by the name of Abraham. Father Abraham, the father of faith. Abraham had to go into battle because these kings had, had, had taken his son, his nephew, Lot. So Abraham conquers these four kings, these four nations. And he knew that, that the only reason he won this battle was because God was on his side. As he's coming back, he sees this, this king by the name of Melchizedek. Melchizedek is kind of a, a, a mystery man in the Bible, but he's a type of Jesus. Abraham gave him a tenth of the spoils. Because he knew that Melchizedek was a man of spiritual authority. And he knew that God had helped him win this battle. So he gave a tenth back. A tenth. Interesting number. Jacob, in Genesis 28, says, Because of everything that you poured into my life, God, I will give you a tenth of it all. Jacob, the father of Israel, from him came 12 sons who became the 12 tribes of Israel. Now we're starting to get into the nation of Israel. But the tithe predates the nation of Israel. So it supersedes the law. It started before the law. There's something inside of Abraham and Jacob that said, I will give a tenth. You know what I think that something was? The Holy Spirit. I think it was the Holy Spirit. Jesus in Matthew 23 said, you ought to tithe. He was talking to the religious leaders, but he said it so everybody could hear it. It's written down and recorded so we could read it. You ought to tithe. Now, the New Testament believers in the book of Acts, you know how much they tithe? 100%. They gave it all to the church. So that's quick, my quick little... So I, I'm adamant about this stuff, church. I live it. I believe in it. I've seen the results of it. I know, I know people as well. I know some of you. I'm preaching to the choir. But try it. If you don't tithe, try it. It's the one area. It's the only place where God said, test me in this. Where you can say, all right, God, I'm giving it. I need you to prove yourself to me. Test him in that, he says. Amen? All right. So, Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 10. Now, listen to this. This is God speaking to Moses, and Moses is speaking to the Israelites. This is how we're going to do this, he says. This is how we're going we're to become a nation, and we're going to do life. Give generously to the poor, not grudgingly, for the Lord your God will bless you in everything you do. There will always be some in the land who are poor. You see, Jesus said that same thing. Like, you're always going to have people who in need. That is why I am commanding you to share freely with the poor and with the other Israelites in need. Give generously, not grudgingly. There will always be people around you. 
You know, I used to kind of get like, we see these people, they're, they're all the intersections, there's people now that are asking for money. And, and I know we can't give to all of them, but you know what my question has become now? What led to them being there? We can make all kinds of assumptions, but they're needy, they're poor, they need help. That's who God is talking about. God says, I'm commanding you to give generously to the poor. It's not a suggestion because God's heart identifies with those in need. He created every single one of us, and when he sees poor and needy, his heart breaks for them. And he didn't say, establish a government program that will help the poor. He said, you, church, give to the poor generously. It is a command that I'm giving you. Proverbs 22, verse 9 says, Blessed are those who are generous because they feed the poor. These are biblical principles. Just like when I throw a ball up, it's going to come down. The law of gravity. When you give generously to the poor, you are blessed, God says. As we share the love of God with our resources, our money, we will see and we will experience our gift being returned in full pressed down, shaken together, running over, spilled out in our laps. Our giving of Proverbs eleven twenty four: 24, give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. Now, if I didn't say Proverbs eleven twenty four, you probably think that just came from me. This is what God says. God says, give freely. Let it flow out of you. Give. And you'll become more wealthy. Hold on to it, and you'll lose it. Our giving determines how much God can bless us. That's what Jesus said. The amount you give determines the amount you get back. The more generous we are, the more God can pour it back into our lives. And then God himself will encourage us. There is nothing more that encourages me when I give above and beyond. There's nothing more that encourages me when I get to call Brazil or, or, or Vu and Henry or, or Steve about our Easter offering. I will, I will ride that out for months. I'm just so happy and blessed that we as a church are a part of that. Did you know that we are known in the Vineyard as being a generous church? In the Vineyard Association, we are known for our giving. This little church here in Reynoldsburg. The missionaries in Brazil, everybody's heard of you guys because of your generosity. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. This is, this is the word of God here, church. We will experience his refreshing generosity as his generosity flows through us and out to others, just like a funnel. When we learn to give like God does by helping those in need is what I call living with a kingdom mindset. It just becomes a part of who we are. And then you try to outdo yourself. I just, I just want to, just, it just feels good. And, and, and when we learn to give like this is when we create an opportunity for another person to experience the goodness of God. See, our giving ushers in the kingdom of God in somebody's life. 
When Henry puts a person in a wheelchair, that's the kingdom of God on full display for everybody to see in a communist country. An American putting a Vietnamese person in a wheelchair. It's a big deal over there, church. And this is what I call living in God's, the kingdom of God's economic investment plan. You're investing in the kingdom. You're not just giving your money away. Proverbs 19, 17, if you help the poor, you are lending to the Lord and he will repay you. How about that? You're lending money to God when you help the poor? And he'll, he'll repay you. He says he will. Listen, there will always be people in need, church. We don't always need a $4.50 caramel stop me grande. <laughs> it's all coffee anyways, right? You, listen, listen, I'll tell you what. I, if you give up your Starbucks, I will roast you some beans, and you'll never buy Starbucks again. I, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm saying that right now. Can I buy some more beans? Right. I always ask him, can I, can I buy some beans to roast? The house smells like coffee for days. There will always be people in need of clean drinking water. There will always be children in Haiti that need fed. There will always be people in Vietnam and Cambodia that need their dignity restored. When we give, we are lending our money to God. It's his to begin with, church. It's his to begin with. So when we hold it loosely, it has the availability to help those in need. So are you holding a bucket or a funnel? Because you can exchange that bucket anytime for a funnel. Jesus said, I will meet your needs in such a way that you won't be able to contain what I give you. And so our last promise, I'll, I'll, I'll hurry this up. I knew we were just going to go a little late. Our last promise is a story in, in Luke chapter 16. It's called the parable of the shrewd manager. It's a little, it's a little complicated, a little confusing, but, but I think Jesus knew that because at the end he says this. Hey, listen, I see the confusion on your faces. Those, those are my words. Here's the lesson. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. Then when your possessions are gone, they will welcome you to an eternal home, to your eternal home. What, you mean everything I gave away? No, those people. Any money that we give away to help those in need that has the gospel attached to it is an eternal investment. The gospel is preached when Henry goes to Vietnam. The gospel is preached when I go to, to Brazil and they distribute water filters. The gospel is preached when children come to the depot to get food for the day. Here's what this means. Can you imagine? You get to heaven. And Henry is going to have Vietnamese people. And Steve's going to have Haiti children. They're going to come to you. And they're going to say, I got a wheelchair. And somebody told me about Jesus. And I believed in what they told me because I felt something. And I put my faith in Jesus. And now I'm here in heaven. And, and Jesus said, you know that wheelchair you got? You know that food you were eating? You know that water filter that you got? I'm going to introduce you to the person who bought that for you. And it's going to be us in here. 
This is what this means, church. We have an opportunity to change lives around the world. That's what we do here, church. This, in, in everything that we do throughout the year, this is the most important ministry this church does. And that's what I believe the story was about the shrewd manager. We will meet the people that we help. We can't go to these countries, not all of us can, but we can send it. The gospel is attached to our money. And God has entrusted each one of us with different amounts where we're at. So I'll close it with this. Here, here's what this all comes down to. Do we believe these promises? Do we believe the promises of God? Do we, and do we trust God to keep his promises? Because here's the thing. If you struggle with giving generosity, do you struggle with salvation? Do you struggle with forgiveness? Do you struggle with healing? Do you struggle with God's grace? Do you struggle with his promises about mercy? Do you struggle when, when Jesus says, you'll, you'll have troubles, but I'll be with you through it all? Do we struggle with any of that? Most of us know we don't, but we struggle with generosity. We struggle with giving. And this is what I call, this is a part of the tension that comes with the gospel. We must believe in all the promises of God, especially the area of generosity. I, I, I'm living proof, and I'm here to tell you that these promises are real and if you want to reap 100% benefits of your relationship with Jesus, we need to learn to let go of our money. Because those promises are for real. And when we press into them and hold our money loosely, hold our funnels so that whatever God pours into us, we can pour out. When we're ready to give, when the Holy Spirit prompts us, we will experience the promises and the goodness of God in a way that will encourage us to become more generous as each opportunity presents itself. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. I thank you, Jesus, for this church. I thank you for the reputation that we have for being generous. And I thank you, Jesus, for those who are accepting the challenge that you have placed on their hearts today. God, as we, as we come each, each week, as we get closer and closer to Easter... May you speak to each one of us in the area of giving. Some of you already have dollar amounts.